Well, my name's Andrew. Uh, if I haven't met you, uh, love to meet you after the service. Uh, thinking about Father's Day, uh, love that my dad is here this morning and just have such fond memories. It's awesome. But I was just thinking back as a kid, and as a kid, I really loved something specific, and that was G.I. Joe's. How many of you had G.I. Joe's growing up? Okay, so a good amount. So the marketers of G.I. Joe's were really smart. Because instead of just having little commercials for G.I. Joe's, they created a whole show around G.I. Joe. And so amidst the extreme violence in the show, at the very end they would sort of redeem that, right, by having a short PSA. So that means public service announcement if you didn't know that. And so they would kind of, it would be a G.I. Joe guy and he would tell the kids, he'd be like, listen, here's how you stop nosebleeds. Really important, right? Here's how you stand up to bullies. They would just, and they actually hired a Harvard professor to write these things. And so they didn't cause any controversy because they were doing something good at the end of all the violence. So, and at the end, the, the G.I. Joe would always say this, now you know, and then the most famous tagline, because knowing is half the battle. Right? I even saw some of you, you were like, yeah, I know that. Knowing is half the battle. And so that's what they always said, knowing is half the battle. And, and growing up, for some reason, I always liked battle or the idea of war. And if so, you're a young boy. You know, I'd run out and pretend to shoot my friends and they were shooting at me. Uh, apparently, I haven't grown up yet because I have Nerf guns for my daughters and myself. And so we have Nerf wars a couple times a week and I destroy them. I'm just saying, I destroy them. doesn't matter I'm 33 and they're 8 and 4. I just, I destroy them most of the time. And, and so war is kind of, you know, a pretend part of my life. But if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, war isn't a pretend part of your life. War is a real part of your life. And of course, we're not talking about physical war, but spiritual warfare. And so if you're not a follower of Jesus or you're new to church, maybe that's a weird term. But here's what we believe. That if you're a follower of Jesus, there's an enemy out there who wants to attack you. And so we learned last week, Pastor Joe kind of did part one of this message and he talked about what spiritual warfare looks like, how the enemy attacks us, and he gave us a lot of good knowledge and things we need to know. But I want to go back to the G.I. Joes because here's what they said, knowing is half the battle. Here's what I want us to get today, knowing that is only half the battle. What's the other half? Here's what I think it is, believing specifically believing the truth. And, and here's what I want us to get this morning, that you can stand against the devil when you believe the truth. And so this morning we're going to unpack what, what the truth is and, and, and how we do that. But to give you a little bit of background, the Apostle Paul, he started a bunch of churches in the ancient world kind of right after Jesus died on the cross, rose again. Paul kind of comes on the scene. He's speaking to a church in Turkey. And, and he wants them to know what it means to be in spiritual warfare. Okay, so here's what I imagine that this section we're going to read. Here's what I imagine it's like. We're going to read Ephesians chapter 6. So if you have your Bible, open that up. If you have your app, open that up. It'll be up on the screen. But I imagine it's sort of like William Wallace from Braveheart. Okay, so William Wallace is fighting for the Scottish people to get independence over the English. And there's the best scene in the movie where he's about to go into battle and he's giving this big speech to his troops, getting them ready to go out, getting them pumped up. Right now at the end he says, they may take our lives, but they will never take our freedom, right? And then they all go charging out. They lose the battle, but that's beside the point. Paul 
right, is kind of pumping them up to get ready to say, this is what it's going to take for spiritual warfare. This is what it's going to take to win. And so we're going to look at Ephesians 6. I'm just going to read 10 through 13. So this is kind of his speech to get them ready. So Ephesians 6, 10 to 13 says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And then he says this, and this is a command, therefore, put on the full armor of God, so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. So he explains to us, our battle isn't against people, even if there's enemies in your life, or, or people you can't stand, or you feel like they're attacking you. The real enemy is Satan and the spiritual forces, which Pastor Joe talked about last week. You can listen to that on the podcast. And he says, here's the goal. After everything's done, after the battles are over, after you've done everything you need to do, the goal is for you to be still standing. And then he says, here's how you do that. You put on the armor of God. This morning, I want to tell you about what the armor of God is, how do we put it on, and then what will be the result if we do that. And so before we, before we get into that, let's pray and, and ask God for his help this morning. Father, we just remember you today and remember that um, you've done so much for us. I pray as we listen to your word and we hear it that it would sink deep into our hearts. God, that we'd be able to understand what you want for us and you'd help us to embrace you more. God, be close to us this morning in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So if you're taking notes, the first thing we're going to talk about this morning is what is the armor of God? And, and here's what it is. The armor of God is the truth of the gospel we need to embrace. The armor of God is the truth of the gospel we need to embrace. So we need to know things, right? We need to have knowledge. But here's what I say. Knowledge is in your head. When we embrace the truth of the gospel, that's when we do it in our heart. Okay? So you can have knowledge, but that doesn't necessarily change the way you act. And so we need to embrace the truth of God in our heart. And that's what the armor is. It's a metaphor for what the truth of the gospel is. And so if we're going to talk about the truth of the gospel, we need to talk about what the gospel is. There's lots of definitions. Uh, if, you're, if you're new to following Jesus or you don't follow him yet, gospel just means good news. And it, it kind of talks about what Jesus has done. So here's what I'd say the gospel is. It's this, that you can put it up there on the screen, that through the person and work of Jesus... Jesus Christ, God fully accomplishes salvation for us, rescuing us from judgment for sin into fellowship with him, and then restores the creation in which we can enjoy our new life together with him forever. By a, a guy named Tim Kelly, he kind of summed that up. And, and, and basically what we need to know of this is that you and I were lost and separated from God, and, and not because of anything good we've done, Jesus has come down, gave his life on the cross, rose again so that we could be in his family. We wouldn't have to pay the penalty for sin. And now we get to help God in restoring the earth. And so the armor of God, the truths in that are going to be what's true because the gospel is true. This is really the foundation for following Jesus. And so Paul uses this picture of armor. So I, I try to find like a suit of armor. They're not as easy to find as you'd think. Um, so I have my own examples of the armor of God, so just bear with me on those. Uh, but, but I think Paul's describing the armor of a Roman soldier. 
Now, this doesn't say this in the Bible, but here's why I think that he decided to use armor. Because he's sitting in prison writing this letter. Okay, and so he's either chained to a Roman soldier or there's a Roman soldier like 15 feet away from him. And he's kind of looking at the guy's armor. Now, th now they probably weren't wearing their full battle armor. But Paul, because he kept talking about Jesus, kept getting put in prison, talking about Jesus, put in prison. He's probably seen this armor enough times. And so if you want to go a little bit deeper, uh, an ancient prophet from Israel, Isaiah, in chapters 11, uh, 57, 59, talk a little bit more about this armor. But um, Paul's going Paul's to bring to mind, for his readers, the armor that the Roman soldiers wore. And it's going to really be metaphors for us about the truths of the gospel. And so here's the first one that he talks about. He talks about the belt of truth. So I got my armor box. You have one of these at home too, right? And so uh, here's the belt of truth, okay? I'm not going to put all these on because I would look ridiculous. But this, just think about this as the belt of truth. I'm going to read verse 14. I'm going to kind of lay these out here so we remember them. Verse 14 says this, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. So um, the belt he's talking about is not a normal belt that you use to keep your pants up, Okay? The belt that the Roman soldiers wore was, was kind of a piece of, of leather that hooked together that, that kind of brought all of their uniform and everything together. And it was the foundation of their outfit. Okay, so this is what helped them really be ready for battle. And I, I think the truth, the belt of truth, truth is really the foundation for believing the gospel. Because if you were here last week or, or you know the Bible a little bit, you know that Satan, he's called the father of lies. And so his goal is to lie to us, to get us to believe falsehoods. Okay, um, one author, he wrote that Satan doesn't leave fang marks on you, he leaves lies in your heart. And Pastor Joe told us that the two ways Satan attacks us is by accusing us and tempting us. So he wants to tell us kind of we're not good enough or he wants to tell us that we don't really need God. And so to defeat those, we need to believe the truth. John 14, 6, this is when Jesus was talking to his disciples. He told them, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus represents the truth. And as we embrace the truths of the gospel, we'll learn things that are true about us as well. So the belt of truth is the foundation. But the next thing is the breastplate of righteousness. So this is the breastplate. Okay. Think like um, a bulletproof vest. They wore the kind of the metal thing that goes over them. It protects kind of their heart and their back. And, and it was really kind of there just as one of their standard pieces of armor. But he talks about it as the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness is kind of a fancy word to say rightness in the eyes of God. And so when we put that on, it's saying I'm right in the sight of God, not because of anything that you've done or uh, things that you haven't done, right? So your rightness in the sight of God is not because of you, but it's because of Jesus. So all the things that Jesus did, how he was perfect, how he paid for our sins, we actually get to have that perfection on us in God's sight, even though I'm not perfect and you're not perfect. And so Satan wants to attack us and wants to tell us, hey, guess what? You're not good enough. You're not good enough for God. And you know what he wants us to do? He wants us to say, you know what? You're right. And then he wants us to kind of run away from God instead of running towards him. But I love in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, another letter Paul wrote. 
It says this about followers of Jesus. This is a truth we need to embrace. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those of you who are in Christ Jesus. This is so important to see that God's love for us and his care for us isn't dependent on what we do or don't do, but on what Jesus has done. And so he goes from the belt to the breastplate, and then he goes to the shoes, okay? The Adidas sandals of peace. No, so, so he, he kind of talks about what they wear on their feet, okay? And so they didn't have the shoes that you might think a soldier would wear. They actually wore open-toed sandals. I think only girls wear these kind of sandals now, but they like strap up all around their legs. Things change, I guess. And uh, these sandals, they made them more agile, and they actually had nails that went through the bottom down into the ground. And so they were like baseball cleats or football cleats, if you think about that, so they were ready. And this helped them be agile. But, but in verse 15, here, here's what it says. And with your feet fitted with a readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So that's a little confusing. So the readiness is really the, comes from the fact that we have the gospel or the good news of Jesus and that we have peace with God. Right? It guarantees us that God is in control of everything. And, and Carrie talked about this a little bit. But we can have peace because we believe that God is in control. Right? So no matter what's going on around you, no matter if things are stressful, if things are awesome, whatever it may be, God is ultimately in control even if you can't see it. And so what does Satan want us to do? He wants us to really believe that we're in control. And what does that lead to? It leads to worry and anxiety. Because you start to really be worried and anxious when you think you're the one who's supposed to be able to control everything. When you think you're the one who's supposed to be able to fix everything. And it starts to build and build. And that's actually spiritual warfare, right? That's part of it that you get anxious and worried and nervous. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. But believing the gospel says, I believe that God's in control so you can have peace. Satan wants to kill and destroy. He wants to kill your, your faith. He wants you to be worried and anxious. And Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And then here it is. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. See, embracing the truth of the gospel brings you peace. You know what's interesting about this peace, though? It's not like peace that you get on vacation, right? It's not like, oh, finally some peace and quiet. I'm relaxing. No, this is actually peace in the middle of conflict. Like things aren't going right and things might be bad and I'm not sure about this and yet somehow I still have this peace. And so he, he leaves the sandals and he goes on to the shield. Here's my shield. Okay, it's not a sled, it's a shield. It's not winter time. So what does it say about the shield of faith? It says, in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith which, which, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now I have this giant thing because the shields they use aren't like the little round things that you think of when you think of a shield. Okay, they're actually pieces of wood that were probably four foot by two feet. 
Okay, and they had leather on them, and then they were buckled at the top with kind of steel up here and steel at the bottom. And then what they would do is they would soak them in water for a long time. Why would they soak them in water? So that when the enemy shot the arrows and the arrows were on fire, right, when they hit the shield, the fire would go out. Because if it hits the shield and the fire doesn't go out, now you have a burning piece of wood in your hand. Right? That's bad news. Everyone's running away still. So they had these, these large shields like this to extinguish all the arrows. And, and this really represents faith. And it's really faith in the power of God. Because the power of God, when Jesus died on the cross and rose again, he broke the power of sin so that you and I no longer have to sin. Scripture says that we no longer have to be slaves to sin. Okay, so, so we can believe that the same power that rose Jesus from the grave Right, is the same power that we have. But what does Satan want to do? He wants to shoot arrows of doubt, disobedience, lust, fear. He wants to tempt us to go against God. He says, you know what? Rather than listening to God, you can do this to make yourself feel better. He makes sin not seem like a big deal. You know, you know one of his favorite lies to tell us? You can just do this one more time and then you'll stop. You actually don't have the willpower to stop. See, when you're facing things that are hard in your life or sins that you keep repeating, the goal is not to have willpower, but to have his power. Right? The goal is not that you exercise your willpower, but you, you exercise his power. Ephesians 6.10, it says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Right? You have the power to overcome sin, to overcome the temptation in your life because Christ has given it to us through the cross. Next, he talks about the helmet of salvation. Right? So I have my helmet here. It actually does protect me. Right? So verse 17, it says, take the helmet of salvation. So unlike this, the Roman soldiers would have worn helmets and some of them, not all of them, would have feathers in them or weird horse hair or something like that um, and they would kind of be sticking up some of them would be sideways some would be different colors and they, they kind of delineated if the person was a legionnaire or a centurion or they're part of some group and so the helmet while it protected them it also kind of gave them their identity it said I'm part of this group or I'm part of these people and that's what salvation does Right, salvation actually tells us we have a new identity. Salvation is a, a word to mean rescue. Right, that, that because Jesus did this on the cross, it rescued us from our sin. It rescued us from our punishment that we would have to face one day. And it didn't just rescue us, but it also made us a son or daughter of God, that it gave us a new family. That's what the helmet of salvation does, but the enemy... He would want to say, you know what, you may, if, if you're a follower of Jesus, he would want to say, you may have been in God's good graces at one point, but you're not anymore. He wants to tell you the lie that, that even though God might have been your father, how could he love someone like you, a hypocrite? Someone who doesn't love people the way they should. He just wants to accuse us over and over and over again. See, the Bible calls Satan the father of lies. His goal is to get you to join his family instead of God's family. But what does scripture tell us? Galatians 3.26 says this, So in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. 
Man, God loves you. He wants to be your father. And if you put your faith in him, he is. He doesn't let us go. And so now we understand most of the armor of God. We kind of understand what it is. Right? It's a metaphor for embracing the truth. These are truths we need to embrace. But the question is, how do we put it on? Right? Because you could walk up here and put this stuff on and you would look ridiculous. Like I would look ridiculous and it wouldn't actually help you. And so now that we know what it is, we have to ask the question, how do you put it on? And Paul actually says, he commands it. He says, put on the full armor of God so you can stand up against the enemy's schemes. And so I think the Apostle Paul is going to kind of tell us how we put it on in the next few verses. We'll go to verse 17. It should be up on the screen. It says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So how do you put on the armor? Here's what I think. God's word and prayer are the key to putting on the armor. Shocking, right? Prayer and reading God's scripture. The word of God is another piece of the armor. So I brought my sword. This is the only uh, sword I have in my house. But the, but the Roman sword, right? This was meant to be kind of a short sword that you would, you would use in hand-to-hand combat. And so the sword represents the word of God. Now it's interesting, it says the sword of the Spirit, because we believe, and, and we see this in Scripture, that God inspired His Scripture through the Holy Spirit. We see it in 2 Timothy 3. So it's the sword of the Spirit, it's the Word of God. And so it's God's truth to us to show us who He is and, and what we need. And, and so someone uh, reminded me of this uh, a couple of weeks ago, but there's an old saying that this book, meaning the Bible, right, will will either keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. Right? And it's not just the power in the words, but because God gave them to us. And so putting on the full armor of God, part of that is getting God's truths in you. Not just knowing them, but getting them inside of you. Then he connects it to prayer. He says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And then he talks about being alert and praying for all of, all of God's people. And so if you follow Jesus, you have God's Spirit in you. Ephesians 5, we learned about a couple weeks ago, it says, be filled with the Spirit, right? Don't get drunk on wine, right? Don't be filled up with alcohol until you can't think straight, but be filled with the Spirit. So all of us can be filled with God's Spirit, and we pray that way. so, So the Holy Spirit, this might be a foreign concept to some of you, but the Holy Spirit will speak things into our mind and our heart. We'll bring people to our mind to pray for. We'll, we'll help us as we pray to God. Praying in the Spirit could also look like speaking in tongues, uh, using the gifts of the Holy Spirit, right? So he says, guess what? Always be praying in the Spirit with the Spirit's help, with what the Spirit asks you to do. And so those two things, God's Word and praying, right, are what help us put on the full armor of God. Because we said earlier, right, knowing is only half the battle. Believing is the second half. And, and so this is how I think we work when we make decisions, when we do things. That somehow something starts in our heart. What we believe, okay, or think in our heart leads to our feelings, which then lead to our actions. Right, so if you sin or, or you mess up and you're like, 
oh man, I can't believe I did that again and, and I need to get some accountability around this. I need to really stop this. I'm not going to hang out with those people. I'm going to put the software on my computer. I'm going I'm to really stop doing this and we try to work hard, right, to get away from our sins. And I think those things are good. We should do those things. But really, I think behind every sin, behind every wrong action, right, is wrong belief. That's really where it starts. It starts with wrong belief that we don't believe the truth about the gospel and if it's true, what it says about us. And so we need to believe these things in our heart. So, so maybe, here's a quick illustration, right? Maybe you have issues with judging other people. And like, you think you have it all together. You know you don't have it all together, but you have it more together than all these people. Okay, and so you're dealing with pride. And you're like, you know, I really need to stop being prideful. Like, I really need to just, I can't judge people like that. You're like, I'm going to try hard not to do that. But what you really need is to believe the gospel. Right, to believe that you are far worse than you could imagine. That when Jesus found you, he didn't find you because you're an awesome person. He didn't find you because you had this huge potential one day. He found you because he loved you. And he saved you because he loves you, not because you're awesome. And so when you realize that you're far worse than you could imagine, yet far more loved than you could ever imagine, then it's easier to love people who have faults and failures and aren't quite getting it right. See, if we, we want to change and bring these things into our hearts, here's what needs to happen. We need to work on knowing God. Because when you know God, you'll love God. And when you love God, you'll start to trust God. Right? And, and then you follow him and do things not out of white-knuckled, I need to do this willpower, but out of glad-hearted obedience. Because you know God and you love him and then you start to trust him. And so how do we get to know him? Through prayer and scripture, right? With all kinds of prayers, right? On all occasions. And so this means you pray often, Right? Not just in the morning, not just before meals, but throughout the day. And, and not just like, I spend my whole day praying, but short prayers. God, help me. Give me strength. Thank you for this. This person needs you. Be with them. Right? He said, with all kinds of prayers and requests, short prayers, set prayers, prayers from Scripture. Right? Just all kinds of prayers. That, that's what he's saying. When you're talking to them throughout the day, you use all different kinds of prayers. And then he says, for, for all the saints, for all the different people, we're praying for others as well. See, when you start to do that, what happens? You start to think about what's going on in your heart. But that's probably what some of us need to do if we're struggling with one thing or another thing. We don't need to say, hey, I need to stop doing that. But we need to start thinking, what's actually going on in my heart when that happens? What am I actually believing and then figure out how, how the gospel speaks into that. And when we do that, the, the truth of the gospel gets inside of our heart. And you know what? This doesn't just happen by yourself. Right? So, so you can't just say, you know what? I'm really going to go concentrate on this. You, you should. But it's not just you and God, right? It's you and other people that you need people to pray with you and speak God's truth into your life. And you need to speak God's truth into their life. Right, so that's why we push groups. That's why we want you to be in relationship with other followers of Jesus. And then it doesn't just happen at the individual and the group level, but it happens at what we call the corporate level right now, right here, where we hear God's truth together. 
and we pray together and we worship together, all of those things help us really get the gospel truth into our hearts and minds. And so you put on the full armor of God through prayer and through scripture and memorizing scripture and getting inside of you. And so we know what the armor of God looks like. We know how to put it on. But what are the results? So I'd say putting on the full armor of God, this is the third point, will focus you on God's priorities. It'll focus you on God's priorities. See, the Apostle Paul wrote this. He wanted to ask them to pray. Now, if I were the Apostle Paul, and I were sitting in prison, and I said, hey, could you pray for me? Here's what I'd say. Hey, pray that I would get out of this place. Right? Like, this guy's annoying me. This guy smells. I, I want to be out in the daylight. Just pray that I would get out of this place. But Paul actually doesn't ask for that. Here's what he asks for in verses 19 and 20. He says this. Pray also for me that whenever I speak... Words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, meaning the good news of Jesus that God revealed, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So twice there he says, pray that I would proclaim the gospel fearlessly. Another translation says boldly. What does that actually mean? It means that Paul wanted to speak the word of God without being worried about the consequences of it. Because guess what? Eventually, speaking the word of God and talking about Jesus would get him killed. Like that did happen later on. But he's praying, hey, help me to speak this gospel out to people. Help me to share the good news of Jesus because he knows what many of us know, that, that the good news of Jesus is what we really need. We don't need better jobs or better behaved kids. Right, or a bigger house. Right? Those things are nice, but what we really need is Jesus, and that's what really changes our lives. And see, the enemy, Satan, what he wants to do is try to distract people from what they really need. And Paul says, help me. Pray for me that I can share about Jesus. See, he put on the full armor of God, and so his focus wasn't on himself but on God's priorities, and that's what will happen to us. See, what does Satan want? He wants us to turn inwards. He wants us to think about how we don't measure up. He wants us to think about how we can get what we think we really want outside of God, even telling us it's okay to use God to make us happy. Here's what I know. When we fall for his attacks, it leads us into feelings of guilt and shame and doubt, and anger, and depression. And see, all of those things keep us focused on us, not on what God wants. Many of you know, but maybe not all of you know, that Spring Valley Community Church, we're changing our name when we move into our new campus in North Coventry. We're going to become Connection Church. And here's the three things we want to do as Connection Church. Ready? We want to connect you to God. We want to help you get connected to God. We want to help you get connected to each other. But then here's the third thing, that we want to connect you to God's mission. Because all of us, we have different missions. We have different things we think that we need or we want to accomplish. And those aren't bad. But those are meaningless unless we're connected to God's mission 
to help him redeem the entire world. And guess what? You may not think you can be a part of that. You may not think you're good enough. But all of the things we learn about the gospel say you are because of Jesus Christ. It says that God's created you for a specific purpose for his kingdom. To build it. To help it grow. To help his rule go out to all peoples. Right? This pushes us to pray for people who are going overseas to share about Jesus. It should push us to pray for the people in our neighborhoods, for the people on our kids' soccer team, for those parents. Right, for those people you know who don't know Jesus. It pushes us not to say, man, I'm worried about my stuff, but to say, how can I love those people? How can I serve them? How can I give more to help the gospel go forward? See, when you put on the full armor of God, you're saying, I'm ready for battle because it's going to come whether you put it on or not. But say, I'm going to be able to stand at the end when the dust clears. Embracing the truth of the gospel is what helps us stand and not only stand, right, but, but move the battle forward. We have these different items that represent the truths of the gospel. That not believing the lies from the belt of truth. That not believing we're condemned because we have the breastplate of righteousness. To know that we can have peace because of what the gospel says. To know that we don't have to fall temptation to temptation because we have the power of Jesus in us. To know that we're part of God's family. Because we have his word. Because he wants to talk to us. Today's Father's Day. Today's not only a day to celebrate our dads that God's given us. Man, some of you have dads that you can just celebrate. That you say, I'm so glad. And others of you, you have dads. You're like, there's nothing good to celebrate in them. Say, today we can celebrate that if you're a follower of Jesus, you have a father who's worth celebrating. You have a father that changes your identity, that he's adopted you into his family. And so you don't have to believe the lies anymore that you're not good enough or that you could never be good enough. You don't have to believe the lie that you're, you should stay in your failure and that you're never going to overcome that sin that's haunting your life. That Jesus and his power can overcome that. So this morning we want to embrace that because you know what? Satan would like nothing more than for you to walk out of here and say, man, I'm glad I know all of this. I'm glad I know how he can attack me and I'm glad I know that, that, I, that I have truth. Because listen, just knowing stuff up here might not change what happens. But when you believe it in your heart, it changes things. And so this morning we're going to take a few moments of reflection. I want you to just ask God to show you by his spirit what you need to embrace, what truth you need to embrace in your life. Maybe it's an area where you're struggling and you're saying, I'm believing the wrong thing and I need to, to believe you, Jesus. Maybe it's something you're not doing that you know you should be, but it's because you don't believe the truth about who you are because of the gospel. So let's take a few moments. I want us to just Think about this. 
And so Vinny's going to play. And so let's do that right now. Speak to us, Father. I believe God's speaking to you even right now. Be open to his voice. Ask him to show you where you need to embrace his truth. Some of you might be here this morning and and maybe you used to follow Jesus. Maybe when you were a kid. Or maybe you've never followed Jesus. Today, God is saying, I want to be your father. I want to be near to you. And today you can have that relationship you're here this morning, you'd say, I want that relationship. I I know I'm missing something. Today is the day for you to be able to say, I have a new dad and all you need to do is just tell God, I want you to be my father. I ask you to forgive me for all the things that I've done wrong and and give me the strength to follow after you. The Bible said all you need to do is believe that and you'll be changed and, and you'll be saved and have salvation and be part of a new family. And you can do that this morning. If you do want to make that commitment, you can let us know in the back of your orange card. I'm going to pray and then we'll be dismissed. Father, on, on this day, the day that's supposed to be about fathers, I pray that we would think about you and we would think about all the good things that you've done for us. And you think about how our lives are changed. I pray you would help us to reject any lies that the enemy would want to tell us. And embrace your truth. Help us to want to follow after you. To to know you through your word. And through praying. Help us have a renewed passion. To know you, Father. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.